Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Penny C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from the Boston area. Today is Friday, May 29th, 2020, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. Today we are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are on page 158, and we will be reading the fifth paragraph, which begins with, So You See. Today's readers are Wiley L. for the steps, Betty W. for the traditions, and the readers of the text and the backup person are Katie T., Susan H., and Lauren N. The reference number for yesterday, which was Thursday, May 28th, are these. The 7 a.m. meeting, 14,706. That's 14706, and the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, 14,708, 14708. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees. For members, we are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive overeating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose is this. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating Um, yeah, lost my place, Um, to carry the message. At at a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Wiley L. to read the steps for us. Good morning, Wiley. Good morning. This is Wiley L. Um, calling in from Vermont. Here's the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these character, these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 
10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you so much, and I pass. Thank you, Wiley L. And Betty W. is going to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, friends. This is Betty W., a compulsive overeater from uh, Central New York. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group would never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never to be organized, but we may create boards, service boards, excuse me, or um, committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never to be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to be of service, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Betty W. And so here is how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then we stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes, and I'll be timing everyone. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirements for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. And once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. 
Today we resume our study of the big book on page 158, starting with the paragraph starting with So You See. That's the fifth paragraph on page 158. And I'm going to ask Katie T. to read that for us and then share. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, family. Um, This is Katie T., recovered in uh, good old Greenville, South Carolina, and uh, I have a pleasure to read this today. So you see, there were three alcoholics in that town who now felt they had to give to others what they had found or be sunk. After several failures to find others, a fourth turned up. He came through an acquaintance who had heard the good news. He proved to be a devil-may-care young fellow whose parents could not make out whether he wanted to stop drinking or not. They were deeply religious people, much shocked by their son's refusal to have anything to do with the church. He suffered horribly from his sprees, but it seemed as if nothing could be done for him. He consented, however, to go to the hospital, where he occupied the very room recently vacated by the lawyer. Well, this alcoholic uh, number four was Ernie G, and his story was in the, in the first edition of the big book because it was an inspiring story. I believe it wasn't in the second, third, or fourth editions because Ernie never managed to um, stay sober. He he uh, had you know sort of multiple uh, failed attempts, and so he his his story went because it would have been false advertising at that point. I would believe. Anyway, uh, this whole piece about uh, these three alcoholics who felt they now had to give to others what they had found or be sunk is really, to me, about uh, sponsoring, my experience of sponsoring and my experience as a sponsor. Um, I had, when I came in at age 73, again, after multiple times of coming and leaving and coming and leaving and experiencing myself as a failure, I still knew this was the only place to be. And I came back uh, two years ago at age 73, and I had a fire in my belly. I was I was going to do this thing because I had completely I completely uh, been defeated in living life on on my terms. It just wasn't working, regardless of the addiction. So anyway, I I worked through about five sponsors in my first couple of months because uh, after two weeks with my first sponsor, I was re- released. Um, I had a couple of people uh, after that. Different things happened. I had a one-day binge and was embarrassed and didn't want to go back. Uh, but finally, on, on March 9th, uh, just over two years ago, I I made a commitment and uh, kept going with that sponsor. And I just I felt that every time something went awry, shall we say, with a sponsorship that I would thank God. I would just reframe the thing and, and just keep on going. Uh, I just don't know how to say this strongly enough because when I became absent at age 73, I just thank God I lived long enough to experience the joy and freedom I'm having here in program today because um, I'd be an Ernie G, uh, uh, just gone. You know, I never, never, be, never become recovered, never be, have an experience of an abstinence where I have, uh, you know, freedom from food obsession, never have a way to reframe my life with God's assistance in this program. I'd be just like Ernie, uh, but just like he occupied the very room recently vacated by the lawyer. We, we create rooms in our lives that we allow sponsees into where we offer our experience, strength and hope. And, you know, people come and they leave. Sometimes they come and stay. 
it's between said, I only know that as long as I seek God's help to the best of my ability, just so long will liquor never bother me. Well, all I can do is to give my experience, strength, and hope to someone. There's no vaccine, no pill, no guaranteed treatment, not even OA. Certainly it's not guaranteed. But um, it's the only it's the only party on the block. It's not a guarantee. But we offer our experience, strength, and hope over and over again. And we have to let go of the results because the results sometimes are, are earning G's and we grieve over these people. And also to always remember how close I am to falling off the wagon. So thank you very much for letting me read this morning. Thank okay. you, Katie T. We appreciate your share. Okay, before we take names for those who would like to share, let me just say that um, <clears throat> we value everybody's um, sharing. However, we'd like to ask that if you've shared with the last two days, so if you've shared on Wednesday or Thursday, please just allow um, other people to to share, and uh, we appreciate that. So I'm going to try to hear everybody. So who would like to share? Rowan M. Harlan. I heard Harlan, and who was who was right there with Harlan? Rowan M. Someone M. Rowan M. Laurie Ann. Rowan. Rowan. Sorry about that. There you go. Rowan. All right. Kim Who else? We have Holland and Rowan. Linda D. Kim G. Linda D. And is it Katie? Kim G. Kim G. Morning, Kim. All right. Okay. Larry Kay. Okay, I'm going to stop there. And here's our lineup. We have Holland G, Rowan M, Linda. She'll give me the initial of her last name when she speaks. Kim G and Larry Kay. Go ahead, Holland. Good morning. Holland? Alan, are you there? Okay, let's let's go to Rowan and, and we'll take Holland afterwards. He must be having to call back in. Go ahead, Rowan. Hi, good morning. This is Rowan. Um, I'm calling from California this morning. Um, grateful to be on the line. So I like this paragraph because, you know, the big book likes to tell us things over and over again, and they're telling us again that we have to work with others or be sunk. The big book tells us that many, many times when all other measures failed, work with another alcoholic saves the day. And how many times do they say that? Many. So after several failures to find others, a fourth turned up. So they finally found someone, but they kept looking until they found someone. And then um, they talk about how, you know, this person they they couldn't stop drinking. They just couldn't stop. He suffered horribly from his sprees. That's my cycle over and over and over again, going on these sprees, emerging remorseful, vowing never to do it again. It seemed as if nothing could be done for him. 
that's the hopelessness. The hopelessness of this disease is that I'm, I can't do it. How many, I've tried so many different things to get rid of this disease, to conquer this disease. It's just, that's just not possible. I have now accepted that I will have this disease for the rest of my life. And the only way to live with it is to like live in remission and to accept it and to do these things every single day so that I can live freely and that I don't have to live in this obsession of when I'm in the illness. And so I guess what I'm learning (coughs) daily is that selfishness and self-centeredness is really what kills me and I have to get out of myself. I have to constantly think of others because if I'm in my head, then I'm in a dangerous place. And I think that this chapter just reiterates that, how how necessary it is for me not to always be in my head, for me to be of service so that I can build self-esteem. I build self-esteem by doing esteemable acts. And if I have more self-esteem, then I don't want to hurt myself with food. And it's just really a beautiful way of living is to really be of service and to feel useful and to make an impact in other people's lives and not have my life just be all about me and my plans and ideas. Thank you for letting me share with that I passed. Thank you, Rowan M. And it's Holland G. back. I am. I am, Penny. Thank you. Can you hear me now? Yes, but there's an echo. Oh, good. Okay. Thanks, Penny. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive. Hold on. There's an echo when you speak. Does this clear it up? Oh, yes. Okay. Very good. Very good. Um, This paragraph is very historical and very instructive. Let's take a look at the paragraph. First of all, you've got Ernie Galbraith, Ernie Galbraith, as was just said, and he will write the seven-month slip that will appear in the first edition, but he will not stay sober. Most of the people who wrote the stories in the first edition of the big book did not stay sober. But Ernie Galbraith teaches us that this, this process is always best when it's worked quickly. People ask all the time on the second meeting, where does it say in the book that you work the steps like your hair's on fire? And the answer is it doesn't. It says desperation of drowning men. But what this paragraph teaches us is in late June of 1935, Bill and Bob will get Bill Dotson sober, and Bill Dotson will will work through the steps. Early July, they will already have Bill Dotson moving toward Ernie Galbraith. Now, let's just remember that Dr. Bob got sober on June the 17th, although it says June 10th. So let's just go with June 10th. June 26th, they visit Bill Dotson. By the end of June 1935, he's sober. They didn't wait 90 days to start sponsoring. They didn't wait six months to start sponsoring. They worked through the steps, and they got busy, and they got moving. Ernie Galbraith will 
not make it. But Bill Dotson, through his efforts at trying to get Ernie sober, will make it. And Bill Dotson will never drink. And he will die in 1954, never having taken another drink. And Ernie Galbraith will marry Dr. Bob's daughter, Sue Smith, and she will develop a lifelong resentment against AA because it couldn't keep Ernie sober, not realizing Ernie wasn't working his steps. But the lesson here is to keep moving, get moving, and keep moving. They got Bill Dotson sober, they put a suit on him, they put a hat on him, and they said, let's go to the hospital and visit this guy that is occupying the room that you were once in, and you can tell him your story. It is very, very important that I remember that there is nothing in this big book that says, I wait 90 days, I wait six months, I wait a year to start sponsoring. The instruction in the 12th step is having had a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps. We tried to carry this message to, compuls- to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Very, very important for me to remember that this is an action program. It never was anything different. It never will be anything different. This is not a program for people who need it. This is not a program for people who want it. This is a program for people who do it. And this is what this paragraph is showing me, that the faster this process is done, the more effective it becomes. And with that, I will pass. Thank you very much. Thank you, Harlan G. And next up is Linda, and she'll give me the initial of her last name, please. Morning, everybody. It's Linda D. from Meriden, Connecticut. Well, Harlan, thank you for what you said. Um, Okay. What jumped out at me is something I identified with uh, is about suffering horribly. When I came into program in 1982, November of 1982, it was a different style where I live in Connecticut, central Connecticut. <clears throat> we didn't know to do it really fast. We did know to do it and to um, do it like our hair was on fire, although we didn't know Harlan uh, yet. But um, we just didn't have the information that is available today about what some of the specific uh, timing of the thing is. We just knew to do it and to um, understand that we were going to die if we didn't do it, that we had no other way to change. So uh, as a consequence of my humanity and my uh, human failings and and not having some of the information, the understanding. Uh, It's many years later, and I'm six years and a few months um, recovered. And uh, what has been said about speed, I think, is probably most definitely true. What I had to do was hang on for dear life to the steps and to a higher power, even though I started Uh, not even knowing that was real. It has changed my life. The steps have changed my life by giving me um, this roadmap to God, my higher power. And um, 
It isn't hysterical. It isn't anything other than terribly, terribly exciting, awesome, sometimes scary because I have to make a lot of changes. But always I'm accompanied by my higher power within. All the things in the book are true. I had no idea what was in there. And what was in there was God underneath all the crap. So stick around. This thing really, really, really works. I have a life second to none with all the BS that everybody else has too. But I don't care because I have God. And all of you. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Linda D. I think I've heard that before. It works. It really does. Kim G., you're up now. Kim? I'm here, Penny. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, recovered since uh, January 2011. I love that line. They had, had to, had to, um, they had to give to others what they had found or be sunk. Had to sounds a kind of like another must in the big book that we keep hearing is only suggestions. You know, and the big book tells us, that, and my experience um, over these nine years working with people, is that we lose people basically in three steps. A friend of mine um, calls it the fourth step fade away, the ninth step trap no show, and the twelfth step trap door. And step twelve is where we lose a lot of people. And I have to tell you, the difference over these last nine years for me is working with others. And I like that terminology because prior to the big book, when I said I sponsored, basically what I was saying was I'm someone's diet buddy and their life coach. I wasn't working these steps with sponsees. And uh, one of my AA mentors, I remember being in a meeting with him, and somebody was complaining because they can't get anybody even past Bill's story that nobody was getting sober. And he said, listen, I'm a big baseball fan. He said, and the reality is if you hit the ball one out of three times and you have a batting average of 333, you are in the Hall of Fame. He said, I consider if I get one out of ten guys through these steps, I'm in the Hall of Fame of AA. Because the fact of the matter is, everyone has equal opportunity to recover, but very few choose, as, as Carlin says, to do the work. So I asked myself, you know, just during this pandemic, how can I be useful? You know, one of my joys is that I, I do a lot of speaking, but because of the Zoom environment that we're in, I'm able to get other women to, to step up, and I've been doing these wonderful workshops and encouraging other women to participate, and it's been such a joy. You know, I've been having these smaller doctor's opinion abstinence workshops with about nine people where half the people are looking for a sponsor, half the people are, are um, looking for sponsees, and it's, it's just such a joy because we need to stay plugged in. I love the analogy of a fan. You unplug a fan. Yeah, those, the, the fan's going to keep going for a short period of time. But it's going to stop working once it's not plugged in. And that's what I'm seeing happen with these shelter-in-place and, and these, these pandemic. If people stayed okay for a time, but everyone's starting to fall apart now. You know, in, in the appendix two of the spiritual experience, it says that we'll have a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery, not maintain recovery. You know, I think of those sayings about think the drink through, keep it green, remember your last drunk. I can't do that in solitary confinement in my house. What that does, what working with others does for me is it helps me. By helping others, I'm keeping it green. By helping others, it's helping me think the dream through. By helping others, it's, it's, remembering, it's reminding me to remember my last drunk. And I have to say the pandemic is an opportunity to work with others. Do this as if your recovery depends on it, because I have to guarantee you, your recovery does depend on it. And with that, I pass. 
Thanks, Kim G. And Larry K., are you here? Hey, Penny. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, thanks so much. Good morning. You know, I, I love the sharers, and, and this paragraph, um, you know, speaks to me. It, it, you know, it, it, it helps me to focus on uh, this process of change um, because I, there was, I had nothing in my experiential evidence. There was no evidence that this would work. You know, this is an experiential process. It can happen quickly, but I didn't know that. And um, the, only, the only bit of evidence that I really had was really conceptual in that I saw changes in some of you and I, I wasn't really sure if you were like me, but I held on to the fact that I saw some of you were not eating, you know, and some of you seem to be not eating and you seem to be very peaceful. Not all of you, but some of you, and I held on to that hope and perhaps you're holding on to that hope too. You know, to have grit means to have courage, to show that strength of character. As someone, someone who has grit <clears throat> is passionate, they, they're going to persevere. You know, they're going to they're going to work hard. Yet they understand the paradox that that while we are hopeless, there there is going to be uh, changes that we're going to have to make. I, I'm I'm re reminded of I love the metaphor of a caterpillar. We've all seen a caterpillar. It, it it stops eating. It hangs upside down from a twig or a leaf. You know, and it spins itself into this silky cocoon, and it and it, it kind of molts and it's within that protective casing and the the caterpillar actually radically and fairly quickly transforms its body eventually emerging as a butterfly and i love that metaphor for me because because for me this process i didn't understand why that miracle that this this miracle exists i just didn't understand it but the fact is and i don't know why this transformation getting access to power power through these these simple steps, why it transforms and changes us in so many ways, one of which is to remove the, the obsession to eat. We're not suffering from the effects of this disease anymore, one day at a time, right? But it does, and, and it really, we, we are, when we arrive here, we crawl in as caterpillars, and if we, if we trust in the process, if we work this with grit, determination, stick-to-itiveness, right? I've seen one person after another, you're all, many on the line today, not everyone, but many on the line that have transformed. Ernie G., who knows what the situation was, but we've all been there before. Perhaps he didn't trust in the process. If we trust in the process, this transformation happens quickly. And I thought all the while it was such a complex problem that it would take this long years and years of calculus and, and, and get out my abacus and understand all the nuances. There's my timer. But uh, no, it can happen quickly. With that, I pass. Thanks, Penny. Thanks, Larry Kay. And now before I take another set of names, let me just remind everyone that what we are sharing on today is the fifth paragraph on page 158 in the big book. That begins with, so you see. So who else would like to share? Sam S. Sam? Yes. Okay, Sam, is it S as in Sam or F? S as in Sam. Okay, who else? Elena C. 
Lindsay Somebody C. UK. Elena C. Elena C. As in cat. Okay. When you share, please spell your name for me, okay? Who else? Liz E. UK. Lewis. Lois. Liz. 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 L-I-Z. Okay. Any other people want to get on in the queue? Liz D. From Connecticut. Liz D. D as in zebra. Yeah. Oh, Z. Okay. Thank you. All right. Anyone else? Well, let's go right to CMS. The page again, please. 158, and we're on the paragraph that starts with, so you see, it's the fifth paragraph down. CMS is going to share now. Hi, Penny. Good morning. Thanks for your service. Um, this is Sam S., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Bristol, Rhode Island. You know, uh, my biggest laser focus this morning on the paragraph um, is after several failures. And, you know, in the last paragraph that we read, too, um, Bill D. had entered a political campaign, and yesterday we learned he didn't, he didn't win. And it's interesting to me, after having this spiritual experience, this, um, you know, almost, uh, it's a guarantee here that things aren't going to work out the way that we think that they're going to, um, you know, sponsees are going to seem like they're really willing and then it, it, then it doesn't work out for one reason or another, or you enter in a, um, something that you think that you're supposed to do and it's not going to, but the thing is, right. Um, after several failures, a force turned up. And I know after reading this paragraph, it is a promise to me that, you know, even if the end result doesn't look exactly the way that I think it's going to, um, you know, if I'm doing, if I'm doing um, God's will, then it will end the way it's going to. As long as I'm doing the next right thing, that result is going to be the plan. And I just need to know that and, and understand, you know, as I am, um, especially as I'm beginning to sponsor, you know, things don't work out. My expectations are, are not met perfectly, you know, because I'm not God. And I just need to be open and to be honest and make sure that my heart motive is in the right place and give those results over. But know that, you know, if, if I'm in the calamity, you know, I can be serene and know it's going to work out exactly the way that my higher power wants it to. And I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. So I just really loved this. And, um, you know, as a new, um, being new to sponsoring again, I'm, I'm really learning a lot of lessons in powerlessness and trust and, uh, just knowing like, okay, this is all a part of the plan. Like, it just didn't work out the way that I thought, but it's working out exactly how you think. So, um, yeah, just surrender and all. Thank you. With that, I pass. Thank you, CMS. And next is, I believe it's Elena C., and, and please spell your name for me. Good morning, everybody. My name is Elena. My name is spelled E-L-E-N-A. C. Thank you. Okay. Yes. Hey, so I am glad to be here. Awesome comments. I really thank everybody. That's amazing. And the history is blowing my mind. And, you know, I um, what struck me from this paragraph is Ernie's refusal to have anything to do with the church 
before he was uh, in AA, before they found, uh, before Bill W. and Dr. Bob and the other Bill found him. And he already had a lot of resistance with God um, and the institution of church. And, you know, I don't know, maybe that has something to do with his not making it, like maybe his uh, skepticism about that, that, you know, has something to do with it. I don't know. Um, I'm also reminded that, um, you know, um, the chapter where he says, um, you know, at the core of each one of us, is the fundamental idea of God. And for me, I did not like, I did not like the institution of church. And um, I had a lot of doubts before the 12 steps. And, you know, what it was good for me was that nobody came to tell me, this is what you need to believe in, in order to recover. You need to believe in like this, whatever that definition was, but it was left to me, to my understanding, to the God of my, to find the God of my understanding that was the healing factor of my condition. You know, the um, physical allergy now I'm getting, and but there's but just overcoming, um, not eating my binge foods. It doesn't mean that I can stay up and that I can stay well. I need a transformation, you know, and it's so beautiful that um, at the core of each one of us, there's a fundamental idea of this power that is the healing, is compassionate, it's tolerant, loving, not forgiving, not judgmental, that, that we need. We, we have access to, should we practice the 12 steps, you know? So, um, so my resistance, my resistance about that, like, just like this guy that refuses to have anything to do with church, refuses to do anything with God, you know, has to be overcome every, every day because every day I forget that I have that on the inside or they surround me. You know, and if I did not have you to remind me of that and my sponsor and other people that I reach out to and my sponsee now, then I forget, you know, and I'm going to do what I've always done, which rely on myself and my intellect. Um, And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Elena C. And Lee K. Your turn to share. Lee Kay, from, I believe from the UK. Okay, let's, let's um, go over to Liz Z and we'll come back to Lee. Liz Z. Uh, hi, good morning. This is Liz Z from Connecticut, uh, compulsive eater. Thank you, everyone on the line. Um, good to good to be here sharing. Uh, so this paragraph just reminds me how quickly my disease will um, will tell me that it's a good idea to try to take over control, um, especially just in relationships, like working with other people, um, whether or not I'm a sponsor. 
um, you know, just in any situation I'm in, it's just this, this um, very sneaky desire to want to control, to get things to come out the way that I think they need to. Um, and I've really found that working the program, um, I really just have to set that aside. I really just have to set that aside. And um, working with other people is such a great way to just let go of self. You know, I just, I just know that I have to do it, that I have to get outside of myself. And I don't know what the results are going to be. Um, and it's a, it's a really powerful opportunity for me to just surrender, um, you know, to, to, to want to do the right thing, uh, to, to want to, you know, work God's will, um, and to leave the outcome to him, uh, because things just, you know, I think things are supposed to go a certain way and that's just not, um, that's just not always what's best. I, I feel like this has kind of been shared on already, but, um, working with others, just working with other people for me is just a really powerful way to surrender uh, because it, it just gets me out of my head. Like, I, you know, the, the, the control is all me in my head. It's all self. Um, and and it, I need to get out of myself. You know, like I, I know that. I know that. And the longer I, the longer I delay in just letting my mind go around and around and around, the worse, the stronger my disease is getting. Um, and it's really going back to that, compulsive eater thinking, um, and I feel like I have found myself there a lot lately, um, and I can feel it when I interact with others. I can feel that there's this, this sense of, like, needing to control, um, so I'm just kind of putting that out there that um, uh, it's just a great opportunity for surrender. Okay, I'm going to pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lizzie. And Lee Kay, are you here? Hi, I think it was me, Liz E. from the UK. <laughs> go ahead, Liz, Liz E., go ahead. Hi, thank you so much, and thank you to everybody for this, your service here today. I can't thank you enough. Um, it's just amazing. I'm on step two, and a few things struck me um, around this passage is the really, really big important thing about they had to give to others what they had found or be sunk and um, that's just such an important message for me to understand and to hear and process and you know it's no point going through all the way through the steps and not this is so important and we are I'm a newcomer but I remain a newcomer every day because you can learn something from people every day then the other point I thought this spoke to me about was about the parents and how they had tried to count and they were much shocked at their son's refusal. And that's really teaching me um, around how other people receive um, the message that I might share. And I've recently been sharing with somebody in my locality and I think she's desperate but she's clearly not desperate enough. And I just have to let it go. Um, she hasn't come back to me. I've contacted her once or twice to follow up, but I have to hand it over to God, and it is in God's time that all this uh, gets sorted. And I hope this lady, um, it's none of my business, really. I'm saying I hope. 
actually not my business. It's God's business. So I must just do my recovery and um, share with other people and help other people and just mind my own business, which I'm not very good at because, uh, anyway, I'll leave you all there. I hope you've got a beautiful day like I have here in Bristol, UK. Thank you very much. Bye. Thank you, Lizzie. And we had someone from Bristol, Rhode Island just a little while ago. All right. We have time for about three more three-minute shares, maybe four. Who would like to to do that? Ali A. Polly? Linda R. Linda R. Ginger C. And Ginger C. Okay, let's take those and then we'll see what we have. I think it's Polly A. Is that right? That um, was first. Go ahead. Who, 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 whose last initial was A and came in first? Uh, Hey, this Hello? is yes. yes, Elie here. Spell um, your name for me, please. A L I E E. And okay, go ahead. Thank you. Yeah, hi. This is Elie as compulsive overeater, uh, multiple addicted from Germany. Thank you so much for this amazing meeting. It's always when I come back to a vision meeting, I'm like, all right, where's my step work? What can I do today? And um, yeah, this was so inspiring to me, and uh, I'm active in multiple fellowships, but I today I just felt like, okay, it's a good day to come into a way, and oh, yeah, there's the vision meeting, and um, yeah, just really grateful to be here, and I have, I, I really have to remember, like, the last few years, I have been continually working the steps, and um and only because of that, I'm in the, I, I'm good the way I am, and I am, uh, I, I'm stable. And these steps have changed my life. These steps keep changing my life. These steps keep making me more aware. And just working this program and also working it with others is just such a blessing. I quickly wanted to share something because I, I always wanted to uh, model, and I found a great photographer and to this today in my head I was like oh my god I need to slim down I need to shape up and um I need to eat less and then I realized oh yeah okay oh yeah you're still an overeater and um you can't do this with by yourself and maybe call your sponsor talk about it be aware of what's going on because yeah um but I know one thing that this program, this is what saves my ass on the daily. My conscious contact of God, um, working these steps and working with others and going to meetings. So um, thank you so much for letting me share. It was just a pass. Thank you, Ali A. And now Linda R. Yes, thank you, Penny. This is Linda R. Recovered in South Florida. So grateful. And thanks for everyone for their service today. So this paragraph, to me is um, the most amazing paragraph because I realized many years into program that without doing service, I could not maintain or keep the balance in my recovered life. 
So I just remember a slogan in the 70s when I came in, and it's cute. It's service is slimming. They used to say it at the end of every meeting. Service is slimming. I didn't really get that. So also, you know, in my history, when I was in high school, I was in this society called the Service Society. It was called Archon. And I just remember that I love being in that society. Anytime I could do a service or help someone, it gave me like this amazing feeling. Even though I was morbidly obese and I was miserable, when I helped another person, it made me feel so good inside. So when I came into program, I didn't quite understand the steps until the repetition of the steps over the years. And then as someone shared, it's experiential. I, to- I called it turning myself inside out. First, there was a lot of verbiage and robotic action in the steps and keeping the re- repetition, repetition. Then finally, and just adhering to whatever my sponsor told me to do, I had to really be compliant. And then all of a sudden, it was like a transformation for me. And now I feel so grateful that I have this opportunity to take someone through these steps. And again, every time I serve in the program or serve in my, in my own life, it's not just in program where I serve. I serve in my family. I serve with my friends. It's just service. And the other thing I want to say is that what program has given me in this pandemic is structure and design, and I call it the POA, the plan of action each day. I connect with God throughout the day, turn my life over constantly. I mean, if I find myself back in my mental obsession, immediately God says, Linda, get busy. You know, and, you know we have to get busy. So service for me is a very vital component of my recovered life. And if I want to keep doing this and keep it, then I have to continually give of myself and get out of myself. Thanks so much for allowing me to share. Thank you, Linda R. And next we have Ginger C. Good morning, Ginger. Ginger C. out there in Colorado? Yes, I swear one day I'm going to figure out these meat buttons, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. I am Ginger C., a recovered compulsive overeater. Can you hear me, Penny? Yes, very well. Oh. Oh, great. Thank you. Good morning, and thank you for your service. Um, And so there's three alcoholics in this town, and now they feel that they have to give to others what they had found or be sunk. And absolutely, you know, Bill reminds us, for if an alcoholic fails to perfect and enlarge that spiritual life, they're not going to survive these certain trials and low spots, and haven't we been presented one with this new epidemic that's um, around us, but you know, I get to stay strong and fit and meet calamity with serenity because of working with others, of passing this on. And really aren't the 164 pages, isn't that obviously I have to get clean and clear and go through the work to have this experience. But my most important job each and every day is how can I be of service, God? How can I help that next person? And if I don't have it, I cannot give it. And um, I and I can't afford to relapse. I cannot afford to go back to that bite. My family would absolutely be floored. So thank God that we don't have to if we just keep in and follow this work precisely exactly. And it says nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive hard work without their alcoholics. And um, and I'm always in this book. I'm always reading it to another, at least one person. I don't have to take on a slew of sponsees. You know, sometimes 
And for me, I had that experience when I wasn't working. I had way too much in the 12-step work, and that's a sickness too. That's not healthy. It's one alcoholic with another. That's all you need to be doing. Um, But, you know, I love when Bob says, I spend a great deal of time passing on what I learned to others who want and need it badly. I do it for four reasons. I do it for a sense of duty. It is a pleasure. It's fun and free. Because in so doing, I'm paying my debt to the man who took the time to pass it on to me. And because every time I do it, I take out a little more insurance for myself against a possible slip. So, so grateful to be with you guys this morning. Have a a beautiful weekend. Thank you. Thank you, Ginger C. And we have time, actually, for one more three-minute share. Hi, this is Ramona A. Ramona. Go ahead, Ramona. Hi, yes, I don't know if I'll take three minutes, but I was thinking of what everybody said on the idea of, you know, to get out of our heads, to get out of ourselves. And I have to say, for anybody out there like me, that I am a head person. Um, I can be in my head in a bad way. I can be in my head in a good way. It's just from from my mind that I seem to function. So in the 12 steps, I love the 12 steps and I love studying them and it could be easy for me to just continue to study them, you know, to do them myself but to study them. So the call to action in uh, the step 12 is something I need to hear constantly. Now, I do a lot of service. I do a lot of service in the program. I do a lot of service outside the program and I have sponsees. But even then with sponsees, I need to hear that call to get out of my head and to let myself be a conduit for God to the sponsee because otherwise I can think and say, well, I know what's best for this person or I know what's best in this situation or I remember how this step works and how they should be doing it. But that may not be what's best for them. And so I have to let myself stay open. And that's that's my constant, um, I don't know, thorn in my side in a way. It's a constant reminder that I have to get from the meetings and from other people and from prayer and everything else to be open to God on one side and be open to people on the other. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Ramona A., and you'll be our last share for this morning. So thank you to everyone who shared. Excuse me. Thank you to everyone who shared, and for everyone who's joined us and been been uh, listening. Um, it, it's it's a, a service just to be here and, and and be with us this morning. So. Um, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. I don't have the share code for today's 7 a.m. meeting, but that will be given by the person who gives announcements. We are now going to close with the reading from the big book on page 164, and we'll follow that with the serenity prayer. So would Susan H. please read that for us? Thank you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. 
Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right. Excuse me. And great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.